It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy. Welcome back to our Daily Thunder series on victorious living. And this week we're going to be talking about what it means to live boldly right now in such a time as this. Throughout this series, we've been freshly looking at what it means to be offensive and not just defensive in our spiritual walk, how to be a proactive Christian that sprints towards the battles, towards the danger for the glory of God, rather than constantly retreating and cowering and self-protecting. We've been talking about living with eternity's values in view rather than just frittering our lives away on meaningless temporal things. And one of the most practical ways to apply these truths is to begin rising up to the calling to shine God's light in the midst of a dark generation. And that means living boldly right now in this day and age when we see darkness just so rapidly cascading into our culture, the temptation is to think, well, how does this affect me? How can I protect my rights and my comforts? And yet God has a bigger purpose for us in this time than just simply self-protection. I want to share with you today two ways to embrace victorious living right now, wherever you are, in whatever your circumstances or your season of life. And these are areas that have challenged me tremendously because I can tend to be very self-protective and want to just kind of hunker down and wait things out or just protect myself. And God is constantly challenging me out of my comfort zone to be aggressive in winning souls and shining his light and living for his glory and getting beyond just myself. And that is something that requires the enabling grace of God. It requires abiding in Christ on a daily basis because it's not something that comes naturally to us. It's not something we can do in our own strength. And the first practical way to embrace victorious living right now is to go after souls. I mentioned in last week's episode about Catherine Booth's series of messages on aggressive Christianity. And she was saying, you know, if we really had the perspective that these lives around us are going to an eternal death without God, we would be a lot more aggressive in trying to reach them for the glory of God. Now, for you and me, it's really easy to wonder how can we possibly be proactive in our Christianity and go after souls aggressively in the midst of a culture that is so given over to darkness and sin, and most of the people we know who are in that state don't really want to hear truth. When we see the direction that our society is headed and the direction our society has already gone, it can be almost paralyzing. How do we go after these souls and reach these souls with truth? And even if we want to live boldly and take a bold stand for truth, how exactly do we do that? I love what Catherine Booth says about going after the souls that God has placed in front of us. She said, there is one soul that you have more influence with than any other person on earth, some soul or souls. Are you doing all you can for their salvation? Your relatives, friends, acquaintances are to be rescued from the depths of sin, degradation, and woe. Let them see the tears in your eyes, or if you cannot weep, let them hear the tears in your voice, and let them realize that you feel their danger and are in distress for them. God will give his Holy Spirit, and they will be saved. I love that because it's a very practical way to start. We can easily get overwhelmed. And I remember when Eric and I were first awakening to the cause of needy 
and vulnerable children, the orphan crisis around the world, we started to hear these staggering statistics about 40 to 60 million orphans in the world. And we thought, how can we possibly make a difference there? And God's message to us was start with one. And I feel like when it comes to living out our faith boldly, oftentimes that's the same message that we need to hear. Start with one soul, that soul that you have influence with, that God has placed in your life. It could be a friend, a sister, a brother, a child, if you're a parent or a spouse or a neighbor, someone that you have a voice into their life. And one of the best ways to sprint towards the battle of this age, the darkness of this culture, is to go after the lost souls that are right in front of us. But how often do we allow social pressure to keep us silent while our family, our friends, our coworkers remain ensnared and enslaved by sin? I would encourage you to ask God for the courage to speak boldly into the lives of those he has given you influence with. Ask him to give you his heart for their lostness. When they sense your genuine love, care, and concern, and passion for their soul, they cannot help but pay attention to your words. And it's so critical that it is more than just words. They need to know that you genuinely love them, that you genuinely desire them to be set free. And as Catherine Booth said, If you cannot weep, let them hear the tears in your voice. Let them realize that you feel their danger and are in distress for them. Ask God to give you his heart, his burden for those people as a starting point, not just sit down and speak words of truth to them, but a heart that truly longs to wrestle for their salvation. I would encourage you to set the stage with fervent prayer. I have found that some of the most hardened souls can be softened if we set the stage with fervent wrestling prayer for that person person, even before we open our mouth to share truth with them. And then God will direct us when, how, where, and what to speak when the time is right, when he's opening the door. We also need to remember that it is God who does the work of rescuing a soul. We are simply tools. We are vessels in his hands. We are conduits to communicate his truth and his light, but he is the only one who can truly change a soul. And so placing that burden back on his shoulders, casting that care back upon him can be very relieving because I think sometimes when we feel the burden of sharing with the souls around us, sharing truth with those he's placed in our lives, we can feel a tremendous amount of pressure that if we don't do everything perfect, we're going to mess this person up or we're going to lose them. And to understand that if we simply make ourselves available to God, if we set the stage in wrestling prayer, we allow God to do that work through us. It's the spirit of God that draws a soul and we are simply vessels in his hands. One of the questions I've grappled with over the years is this, can witnessing to just one or two souls really make a difference in the world at large? Eric gave a message a number of years ago called the Gospel Challenge, and he did some math in This was just very interesting to me. He asked the question, if 200 believers won one soul a month to Christ over the next seven years and then discipled those new believers to go and do the same, what might the church look like after seven years? And as you add those numbers up in year seven... About four months into the seventh year, the number of new believers would crest the number of people on earth, 7.13 billion. 
And that's just staggering to think about. Now, that may not be a realistic scenario, but at the same time, it is a doable model if 200 believers won one soul a month to Christ over seven years, and then those believers were discipled to go and do the same and reciprocate that pattern, just how rapidly the gospel would spread. So instead of cowering in a corner to protect ourselves from the rapidly increasing darkness of our age, God calls us to go and shine his light to a lost and dying world. Every morning, I encourage you to ask the question, what soul has he called me to reach today? If every true Christian begins seriously asking that question every day, imagine how dramatically and quickly change would come. Now, it's very easy to feel weak and inadequate. I don't feel equipped for this. I don't know what to say. I'd like to share another quote from Catherine Booth that really encouraged me. And she was specifically speaking to women that she knew in her life who had a calling to share truth with people in their lives, but they were timid about it. And this is what she said. Will you be encouraged, my sister? Never mind trembling, I trembled. Never mind your heart beating, mine beat nearly through. Never mind how weak you are. He loves to use the weak things that the excellency of God may be seen. If your neighbors were sick of some devastating plague and you could go and help them, would you not do it? Would you say, I am a woman, I cannot go? You would say, let me go, like Miss Nightingale did the sick and wounded soldiers. Let me go. And these are not the bodies, but the souls. They are dying. They are going to an eternal death. Will you not rise up? What a challenging and encouraging statement, first of all, to understand that the souls around us are dying of something far more serious than a deadly plague. And when we look at it in that lens, if people all around us were dying of a plague and we had the cure, maybe we had a bottle as an antidote for the plague, we wouldn't just hoard that to ourselves or we wouldn't think, oh, I'm too weak or I'm too scared. I don't want to go help them. We would be very compelled to go and save their lives. And this is the opportunity to help save their souls, to be tools in God's hands, to help rescue them from an eternity without him. And so to have that motivation and that perspective and also to recognize that we can set our own weakness aside and say, Lord, be strong through me because it is through my weakness that your strength will be made perfect. It's really easy today to get caught up in political issues and trying to see political change, but God is asking us to start with the souls around us. We are standing in the middle of a mission field, and if you don't know how to reach the people in the culture at large, look at the souls he's placed in your life right now today that you do have a voice to speak into their lives and start right there by his grace. Another way to begin living victoriously right now is to lay down your life. We hear so much in our culture and even in the Christian world about fulfilling our destiny and figuring out how to become our best selves. God's message is very simple to us. Lay down your life. Choose to die to yourself so that I might live through you. Don't cling to your own rights or dreams or plans or agenda. Let me have complete access to your life and to your future and that's when I can tremendously change the world through you. Darlene Dibler is a missionary that I've spoken of before on this podcast. She's so inspiring to me. If you've never read her book, Evidence Not Seen, it's really, really worth sitting down and reading. And there's an audio book of it as well that is really good. And I listen to it probably about once a year. When Darlene was eight years old, she lived in Iowa and her family went to church, just a very simple girl, simple family. But she prayed this prayer at the end of a church service, Lord, I'll go anywhere for you, no matter what it costs. 
And God began to give her a burden, a passion to become a missionary. And she ended up marrying an American man who also felt called to be a missionary. And together, they went to pioneer missionary work in interior New Guinea to reach tribal people that had never been reached with the gospel before. And during their first missionary excursion, as they were first beginning to get established with this tribe in New Guinea, World War II broke out and the Japanese took over the island where they were living and they had to abandon their missionary station and they went through tremendous suffering for the next several years. And when she was suffering intensely on the mission field and when she became a prisoner of war under the Japanese, God reminded her of that prayer that she had prayed as a little girl, Lord, I'll go anywhere for you no matter what it cost. And she reiterated that prayer as a woman going through incredible suffering because of her decision to obey. She said, Lord, I still mean it with all my heart. And she said those words to God in the darkest moments of her life when she found out that her husband had been killed in a Japanese concentration camp. She said, Lord, I still mean it with all my heart. When she found out that so many of her dear friends had died, that she was being placed as a prisoner in death row, sentenced to death, she said, I still mean it, Lord, with all my heart. No matter what it costs, my life is yours. And that is why I believe she was able to endure incredible suffering so triumphantly. Rather than feeling sorry for herself or asking why or just sort of kind of closing up and becoming paralyzed, she had that vision, Lord, you have my life. I've given it to you. It has been bought with a price. It is not my own. And God worked so tremendously through her years of suffering and brought her out the other side of that with triumph. And she ended up remarrying another missionary and going back to the mission field for 40 years and having such a victorious outward life that really bore eternal fruit. And that was simply because that prayer that she prayed as an eight-year-old girl, Lord, I will go anywhere for you no matter the cost. That was the motto of her life. She laid down her life. And as I look at missionaries throughout history or heroes of the faith, men and women who really made an impact for the glory of God, that is a common thread that I see in their lives, unconditional availability to God, laying down their lives, counting the cost, already giving up their lives even before they face a difficult situation. And in order to sprint toward the battles of our day, we must count the cost ahead of time. Sprinting towards the battles in our day and age for the glory of God might lead to pain and hardship and persecution and even death. If we are clinging to our lives, we are going to hesitate at the very moment God is calling us to spring into action. In Acts 20, Paul expresses the necessary soul condition of any true spiritual athlete. He says, chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. If you and I are going to finish our race with joy, we must follow Paul's example and place Jesus Christ and him crucified over everything else we hold dear, including our own lives. If you don't yet feel ready to place your life fully in the hands of God and lay your life on the altar for the sake of Christ, ask God to do that work within your soul. It is a work of grace that only he can do within us. 
Eternity is on the horizon. Every day, the world grows darker and sin gains a stronger hold. Now is not the time to cower, hesitate, waffle, or subside into silence. Now is the time to shine God's light in the midst of the darkness and to sprint toward every battle that we see around us, every battle God is calling us to with liquid ferocity like David did as he sprinted toward Goliath. Now, this is the opposite of what the culture and the enemy are telling us to do. But when we say yes to this calling, we will have the strength of heaven on our side. I love what Oswald Chambers said, when we deliberately choose to obey God, he will tax the remotest star and the last grain of sand to assist us with all his almighty power. So let's decide here and now that we are going to face the future with courage and not fear. For those of you who listened to Eric's series on World War II, you'll remember the story of Reese Howes, who was an evangelist and a missionary, and he had a Bible college in 1940 in England when the Germans were threatening to invade their country. When I first studied that story of Reese Howes and his little praying Bible college during World War II, I was impressed, but I didn't personally relate to the crisis. But now, as our culture and our world becomes darker and darker, The events of 1940 are hitting closer to home than they used to. In 1940, the world was in turmoil, and here today, our world is in turmoil once again. The enemy has a message for us, and God has a message for us, and it's critical to know which message we're going to listen to. So the enemy says we have been thrust into a tense and unpredictable battlefield where the world feels like it's been turned upside down and evil seems to be getting the upper hand. And many of us can now personally relate to what the people of Great Britain felt when Hitler's invasion and control seemed inevitable, despair and hopelessness and fear. The enemy's message is clear. Your only choice is to be silent, to give up, to get out of my way while I wreak havoc on the world. But God has a different message, and it's the same message as he had for Reese Howells and his Bible college students back in 1940. If my people who are called by my name will pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. It is not merely dinner table praying we are called to in such a time as this. We are called to tirelessly engage in history-shaping intercession, to fight a spiritual battle on our knees with just as much dedication as soldiers on the front lines of a physical war. Now, the specifics of our prayers may not be the same as Reese Howells and his Bible college as they prayed for Hitler to be held back from invading their country and taking control of it. But that very same passion and dedication that they had should mark our praying. Reese Howells and his students would stay up all night at times. They would pray night and day. They wrestled in prayer until they felt that God had given them the victory, given them the breakthrough. It's time that we realize we are not helpless when we are facing a crisis, even a crisis as enormous as Hitler invading and taking over a country. Because through those prayers, through the prayers of the saints, Hitler was held back. It's proven that the prayers of God's people can move heaven and shape history. If we take a look at scripture, one of the stories that stands out is Esther. She was in a very hopeless situation. So if you ever feel that your situation is hopeless or what's happening in the world is sort of so strong and so dark that there's no way to see any victory there, think about Esther and the hopeless situation she was in. In Esther 3.13, it says that letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate the Jews, both young and old, little children and women. 
And so here was Esther, who was Jewish, and she had been taken to be the wife of the king, but she really was more like a slave than a queen. She really had no voice, no authority, and the king could order her death just on a whim. And here we have this decision, this directive, not just just sort of push the Jews back, but it says to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews. So in other words, there was no loophole, no hope of escape, even for Esther, who was the queen, because she was Jewish. Her first response was not to panic. It was not to fall into a pattern of woe is me and despair and self-pity. Her first response was prayer. In Esther 4.16, she tells Mordecai, go gather all the Jews and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day, my maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king. She laid that foundation of wrestling prayer. Those fervent prayers not only stemmed the tide of destruction against the Jews, but turned the plot of evildoers against them, and Haman was hanged on the very same gallows he had built for Mordecai. Our prayers today can have the same life-changing, world-changing impact because we serve the God of Esther and Mordecai. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And he says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Do we believe our God? Do we believe that he is faithful and true? Do we believe that he is the God who hears and answers prayer? The way we can show that our faith is in him is by getting on our knees because it is there that the battle will be won. God has called us to bold, courageous, victorious living, and this happens when we make ourselves fully and completely available to him. We serve a God who is faithful and true. We serve a God who has called us and equipped us to live boldly and victoriously right now in such a time as this. So let's make a decision to allow him to do that amazing work in and through us starting today. God bless. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.